Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course podcast from the University of Minnesota. This podcast discusses the unique opportunities and challenges student workers present and also offers tips to make supervising student employees a great experience for both you and the student. We also talk with the panel of guests about their trials and triumphs working with student employees. Visit supervising.umn.edu and explore the Supervising Student Employees webinar page, which includes all relevant resources. So again, welcome to the Supervising Undergraduate Student Employees webinar. For those of you that are just joining us, I'm Emily Titchich, and I'll be presenting the material. We'll also be joined by Will O'Berry, who's the Program Coordinator in the President's Emerging Scholars Program, Crystal Sipaniak, who is the Access Assistance Coordinator with the Disability Resource Center, and also Nicole Song, the Program Manager with Talent Acquisition. Will, Crystal, and Nicole will join us later in the webinar to talk about their experiences supervising students and also share some important best practices with us, so we look forward to that. So in an effort to provide you with the best information possible, we did several interviews with supervisors of students at the University of Minnesota about what it's like to actually supervise students. We've also researched resources available on the topic and we distilled our findings into the three parts that we'll talk about today. To understand what sets supervising students apart from supervising other types of employees, we'll first talk about what makes the students themselves unique as employees. Next, we'll talk about which skills are most important to rely on when supervising student employees. Finally, we'll hear from Will, Crystal, and Nicole about their experiences and about what the best supervisors of students do. So hopefully that sounds like a win-win for all of us, and it will be very useful, we hope. We're all here today, of course, because we know there's something different that sets supervising students apart. So that's our first question. What makes students unique? To get us warmed up, I want you to think about your student employees. What makes them unique? Maybe it's their role at work, maybe it's their academic focus, or maybe it's other specific challenges and opportunities that they bring to their role with you. Take a second to think about what makes supervising student employees unique and let us know your thoughts in the chat. So I'll give you a minute to do that. Okay, there's lots of ideas coming in. Feel free to continue to put yours into the chat. I see many themes here. Um, school comes first is one that jumps out at me. Yes, definitely. Uh, it might be their first professional experience. Yes, and we'll, we'll touch on that too. Um, scheduling nightmares, yeah, I mean, I think another way to put that would be flexibility. It, supervising students requires a lot of flexibility, so thank you for that. Yes, their schedules, uh, turnover, they're intelligent and, and capable, thank you. Yes, and I've seen many, that, that's definitely a theme here too, their willingness to learn. Great. Just learning to live on their own, great. Thank you for your input, this is great, and a lot, you're touching on a lot of the themes that we'll look at today in our webinar. One of the things we know about students is their lives are generally full of many different commitments, and you've touched on this already. Their studies, their work, their family commitments, sports, social commitments, and there's lots of other possibilities there too. You can see on the slide here that this chart shows a snapshot of an average student's profile for how they spend their time. So you can take a look at those numbers. It's clear there's a lot going on in their lives. And work is just one of these many things, which you can see here in blue. On average, about 16% of a student's waking hours is spent at work or on work-related activities. And of course, this impacts the unique characteristics they bring to their job with you. Let's compare that now. It's especially important to note 
how much less time students spend on work than full-time employees. So many of you said yes, their school is their first job, and I think this is reflected here. Keep in mind that though we as full-time employees, we, we have complex lives too, but full-time employees on average spend almost half their time on work and work-related activities. So while work is an important part of an undergraduate student's life, they simply won't be as immersed in it as frequently as a full-time employee. Probably the most important factor that makes students unique is that they're typically in a phase of intense development, and I think I saw this themed in the chat as well. They are simply exploring their academic interests, developing their social identity, creating new personal relationships, and of course, developing independence, maybe for the first time in their life. And yes, there's an exciting side to all of this development. However, it also raises a lot of questions for them and can cause immense insecurity as they try to figure out who they are and how, they're fit, how they fit into the world. As their supervisor, so as their supervisor, you can have an important impact on that development that they're experiencing during that 16% of the time that they spend with you in their role. That's kind of cool to think about. Anything they learn on the job will impact their development in some way. Yes, students are new to professional life, and that comes with both pros and cons. And I think, again, I think you mentioned this in the chat already. On one hand, they may not have much professional experience, but they often make up for this in their willingness to learn in the role and that enthusiasm that they have for new projects. One supervisor we talked to pointed out that students often come to their position without any prior skepticism about the role, which, I mean, doesn't that sound like a quality anybody would want in a team member, that lack of skepticism? It's a great, it was a great insight. Another characteristic that makes students unique is that their work with you will always be subject to their first job, like you've identified already, that is being a student. Remember that on average, students spend about 16% of their time on work, but on average, they spend a larger share, about 22%, on their academics, right? That's what they are already students. They're here for that reason, and their education commitment generally takes more time than their time at work. One supervisor we talked with explained this by saying that by the time students get to you, essentially, they're, they're working overtime. So as supervisors of students, it's a part of your job to support them as students, not just employees. Because they're students first, there are often logistical challenges that students may encounter trying to work around their class schedule and commitments, and many of you mentioned this in the chat too. Despite their enthusiasm for their role, yes, supervisors of students, we, we know that scheduling their hours requires a lot of flexibility, and this combined with the possibility of frequent turnover can make supervising students Again, it's a unique position to be in because they simply their schedule simply doesn't fit into a typical work schedule each week. So I'm not telling you something you don't already know, but we're just thinking, what does what is it about students that makes them unique employees? So it's clear, I hope at this point, that students bring unique characteristics as employees. And I think one of the most important characteristics that I haven't really explicitly mentioned yet is that students, again, students are the reason that we are here. They are the reason that we as a university exist. So ultimately, their employment here and their experience with you, supervisors, is an important part of their college experience. So it's this major, big, big framework that we're working in. And it also might affect their academic success, retention, graduation, and future career choices. So their time with you is, again, touching on that very intense phase of development that they're in. Their time with you really can affect a lot of their, a lot of their future decisions as well. 
So being reminded of these unique characteristics can help inform the actions you take as their supervisor. All of these previous characteristics are what make supervising students unique. And yes, they can translate into opportunities or challenges for you as a supervisor, right? So at this point, we're gonna take a deeper dive into those key skills that are the most important when supervising students. So supervising students effectively requires all the same best practices you use with any employee that you have, uh, such as giving feedback, managing and evaluating performance, help effectively handling conflicts that come up, leading effective teams, all of that still matters. But the question really is, what do you need to emphasize when supervising students? And that was kind of the question that drove a lot of our research for this webinar today. So while doing that research, there was one thing that kept coming up right to the surface, and that is communication is key. So as we got more insights into supervisors' experiences supervising students, we realized that while most of the same, like I said, most of the same supervisory skills are still required here, being aware, not just doing it, but being aware of your communication with students at every stage of their employment goes a long way in helping to make their experience rich, effective, productive, and meaningful, which I hope this makes sense if you think about it, because all of those things that we mentioned that make them unique also require you to communicate more clearly and intentionally than you might need to with someone who has been in a professional role before or who is you know, has the luxury of spending eight hours a day in your work environment. So let's take a look at the key stages of a student employee's experience to see how important it is to communicate explicitly and clearly with them. So let's start with before you even hire a student employee. Even though you know what the job entails and why you think someone would want to work in the role, you need to be able to communicate that to the student workforce. So thinking about your audience. If you were a student looking at the job description, is it clear why you would want this job? Or does it sound like something somebody would want to do? Remember, students are at that big developmental phase. They're going to want to know what they'll be able to learn from the job too. So by communicating in your job description what skills and knowledge the student will take away from the job, you may attract more student applications for the position. So rather than only posting requirements, you're also communicating what skills and knowledge the student would take away. You'd also be setting up students for a better interview because they'd be able to talk about why they want to learn those skills, giving you a chance to learn more about their interests, skills, and aspirations. During the job interview, it's also crucial to give your student applicants a realistic job preview, emphasis on realistic. Remember, students bring a willingness to learn, but they also may not be equipped to interview well or to even know what kinds of questions to ask. For example, if the position is in the IT department, Sounds pretty cool, but it's actually a customer service role within the department. You may be attracting a lot of students who are really enthusiastic about working in IT, but they may not realize the position requires customer service skills and they feel less enthusiastic about that. So it's awesome to get these enthusiastic candidates, but the best, best practice with students is giving them a realistic job preview by breaking down what the job looks like and what skills they might learn on the job. So just like any candidate, you want to make sure they're clear on the expectations, but for a student, this might mean communicating twice as much about the expectations. For example, don't shy away from those less glamorous parts of the job. If the job requires emptying the trash, cleaning equipment, being on call for odd hours, or answering phones all day, it's important students know this. Having a clear idea about what the job looks like will give them a better idea of the developmental opportunities in the role and just set them up for success. 
Once you've hired the student, we recommend being really intentional with your onboarding plan. There are onboarding best practices that still apply here, um, like connecting employees to the department culture, making sure they have access to the resources they need to do their job, clarifying work expectations, introducing them to key people, all of that still applies. However, what we recommend here is meeting them a little bit more than halfway. Remember to break down your expectations and communicate them from day one. Don't assume they'll pick up on, pick up on the day-to-day -day details of the job. For example, um, that might look like, you know, students are wondering, do I get a lunch break? Or do I punch in? Or how do I record my hours? Can I work on my homework while I'm here? What if I get sick and I can't make it in? How would you like me to communicate that? Um, what's acceptable? And if you're not here, my supervisor, if you're not here, who do I go to when I have a question? So for some students, this role might be their first position in a professional workplace. Getting this kind of information, even though it seems very straightforward and something they may or may pick up, getting this information into the hands of your students goes a long way in making them feel welcome and like they're part of the team. To help you get started with onboarding your new student employee, we've developed a quick guide to onboarding, a conversation guide for new employees, and an onboarding worksheet you can use to develop a detailed onboarding plan for your student employees. All of those resources are listed on your action sheet, and if you've attended previous webinars, they may be familiar. Remember how in the first part of the webinar we talked about how the main thing that makes student employees unique is that they're students first? As a supervisor, one thing you can do during your onboarding experience is to make sure you're connecting academics and work. And this may or may not be something new to you. If it's new, I encourage you to really think about what would this look like for you. If you're already doing this, reflect on your process that you have in place. So let's take a closer look. One way to help your student employee learn more in their role is to establish the connection between their academic identity their student, and their student employment identity. It's important to touch base, base with your student employee about what they want to get out of the position and how they hope to grow. I hope this kind of sounds like engagement to you because that is exactly what it is. Connecting their work to their personal and professional goals can go a long way to increase that engagement. So the University of Iowa has a program called Iowa Grow, which recommends supervisors of students touch base by asking their student employees some crucial, crucial questions. First, how do you see this job fitting in with your academics? Second, what do you hope to learn that will help you in school? Third, what do you hope to learn in class that you can apply here at work? And fourth, what's something you'd like to learn that could help you in your chosen profession? So often students don't connect their role to their professional pursuits. It's your responsibility to help them see how these connect. And I hope by looking at these questions in front of you, that kind of makes sense. Like, oh yeah, that would really help them connect their academics to their work. And we know that that's going to boost their confidence, both in their academics and in their profession and in their work with you. Uh, for example, if the student's job includes greeting people as they come into the office or answering phones, asking these four questions is a chance to remind them that these people skills or quote soft skills or business critical skills are critical to many professional roles regardless of the field. So remember to return to these questions each semester. This helps them connect their academics with their role and supports the development of their professional identity. And also, it helps them to begin to visualize how to build up their professional resume. So I hope that's helpful. As we mentioned before, it's important to clarify, to continue to clarify your key results and expectations of the student employee's position. 
Remembering that the student may not bring much professional experience to the role, this is especially important not to overlook. So again, and effective supervisors do this already, but again, with students, maybe do it a little bit more often, or again, that idea of meeting them more than halfway. So clear, clearly setting expectations and results um, looks like you know asking or answering the question, what exactly needs to be done, when and why, and then how, how does it need to be done? Um, you know, are there certain procedures or steps to follow? Do, do you have an example that you could share with your student employee? And also, is there room for creativity? So, or, you know, a new approach to doing, to doing uh, whatever it is that you need to get done, or is there only one way to do it? So clarifying that can go a long way in helping them uh, achieve their results. It's important to also, of course, to avoid making assumptions about what they know or don't know. So always make a point to check in with them to clarify. Remember, they're students first, and they may have a need to talk or get support or feel validated in their work. These kinds of check-in meetings will help make the connection to impact more clear and also help to keep the communication channels open to see how you can support them in their work. Uh, we do recommend face-to-face check-ins when possible. I know that's not always possible, but when possible, that's what we recommend because this simply gives more opportunity to have a meaningful conversation. Okay, so far so good. You've set expectations by defining the what and the how. What, what do they need to do and how do you expect it to be done? Now just give your student employees a chance to do the work. And as we know, it's important not to underestimate students because they bring a lot of willingness to, to learn and to be productive to their roles. There are many ways you can deliver feedback when you need to about how the student employee is doing. For starters, we recommend having those ongoing check-ins that I mentioned before to talk about their progress and check in about work and school. This, um, for those of you that do this, you know that this can help you anticipate problems before they arise, so highly recommended. If you have non-urgent feedback for them, your regular check-ins can be a great place to let them know how they're doing and if there's anything that they need to be doing differently. When a need to give more pressing feedback arises, it's important to be as timely as possible. For example, if a student employee gives incorrect information to a customer on the phone, it's, for example, it's important to let them know as close to in the moment as you can. And I think that makes sense, but it's important not to overlook something like that. Um, again, because they're not in their role full time. So by the time you get this feedback to them later, they may or may not remember what they did or said at the time. So giving them that feedback in the moment will be much more productive. It'll help them build constructive habits and also give them more immediate opportunities to kind of course correct. This is important too. Um, an important point that underlies these best practices is that student employees may bring a fear of failure to their role. And this was something that came out as a theme in many of the interviews that we had with, with supervisors who supervise student employees, that idea of fear of failure. It's critical that you establish psychological safety with them through on these ongoing check-ins to show them how they can make mistakes and learn from them. So the message is, we don't expect you to be perfect, we expect you to just to keep trying. And it's okay to make those mistakes as long as you're learning from them. Doing this also reduces that black and white approach that some students bring to their positions. And it also creates more learning moments for them to experience and succeed in. And many of you said in the chat earlier, you know that the students that you're working with are very enthusiastic learners. So we would expect this approach, you know, this the idea of fear of failure and that it's okay to really resonate with them as well, and to give, their, give them confidence. Great. 
So your ongoing check-ins can also be an important way to provide feedback and support, and it's part of your coaching and support, which can also be uh, focused on building resilience, and that's what we're going to show you here. Research says, and this is on your action sheet, research says the more support a student feels, the more challenge they can tolerate. There are ways in which you, their supervisor, can provide support. So as I'm reading these, I want you to reflect on what does this look like for you with your student employees? And if you're not doing this, what could it look like? The first one is to recognize their contributions and the impact of their efforts. Secondly, to support their well-being. Let them know you care. Let them know that your relationship with them and their well-being is a priority, making sure that their work is fitting in with their overall campus experience. And I'm sure many of you are doing this frequently. But just reflecting on what does that look like for you? Are there ways to make that even, even, more, um, even more intentional? And the last one, be flexible. And I know this just kind of goes without saying, um, but the second part of that is be flexible and keep the communication open because flexibility is not just a one-time thing. Make sure they know it's okay and expect it that they prioritize academics. It's also okay to ask for flexibility. So inviting that conversation. For example, if the schedule's not working out or if something else has come up, which we know it always does, but always anticipating that by keeping communication open. That it's, very, it's a very important component of creating psychological safety. Don't forget though too, there are lots of ways to provide support to your student employees. It can come from you. Yes, you might be a first point of contact. It can come from your team. It, that support could come from other student employees, and we'll, I think we'll hear a little bit more about what that might look like when we talk to our panelists. And of course, there are lots of other resources at the University of Minnesota, too, that offer support in many different ways for students. As their supervisor, and I hope if you only learn one thing today, I hope you hear this. As their supervisor, it's your responsibility to realize you're not the only support on campus. There are many valuable resources on campus, and we'll talk about those later in the webinar as well. So that support is not just you, it's really a whole circle of people and resources surrounding the students and, you know, and supporting their academic success. Lastly, so last one, as a supervisor, and this is probably one that may be overlooked, you need to plan for their transition. So a lot of factors determine whether they stay with you for one semester or for many years. And sometimes this employment can impact their career choices too. Remember the, those four questions that you asked when they just started the semester? And remember, they're on your action sheet. Revisiting those and making them a part of a planned conversation would really benefit both you and your student employee. It could help make the work more meaningful for them because it makes the connection to their work-life academic, academics more explicit. It also can let you plan the transition better, whether it's a transition to a new semester with this, with this same student or a new search for another student employee. So one example of what some supervisors do that we learned is they sit down with the student and they help them review their resume before they leave their position because that way they can help them incorporate their experience that they've gained on the job with their future career opportunities and interests. And we thought that was just sounded really valuable. So one of those final one-on-one -on -one meetings you have with them could be around kind of working with them on their resume. So there's a lot here, I know. There's a lot to remember about being a supervisor of students. We've tried to present this in a meaningful way, 
you know, just touching on those points that we heard a lot of supervisors talking about, you know, and really um, honing in on those themes. So hopefully there's been, there have been some nuggets here so far that have been meaningful for you in some way, whether validating what you're already doing or giving you ideas for what you could do um, with future student employees. So applying your supervisory best practices while also incorporating strategic communication and meeting them more than halfway will set them up for a successful professional experience with you. Remember, as you know, they are students first and they need your support. So far so good, I hope. We're doing great on time, so that's good news. My question now is what does it actually look like for a supervisor of students at the University of Minnesota? And there are hundreds and thousands of you, but we're lucky today to have three very intentional supervisors with us and I'm going to invite them to weigh in with their own experiences. So we have Will, Nicole, and Crystal. As questions come to mind as we're chatting, please jot them down in the chat, or I'm sorry, in the Q&A or the chat, but in the Q&A too, and we'll have a chance to take as many as we can towards the end of the webinar. So we really look forward to those. Another thing I wanna to mention too is as you see any Q&A come in, if you know the answer or if you have an idea that you'd like to put out there, feel free to respond to each other in the chat as well. Great. So the first question I have, and you see it on the slide in front of you, is how do you meet your students halfway? And what I'm really curious about is, that's really easy to think about, it's just, it's just a phrase, meeting someone halfway, but what does it actually look like? So, because our advice for supervisors of students is to meet their student employees halfway, or sometimes more than halfway. So I'm gonna ask my panelists, in your experiencing supervising student employees, in what way have you met students halfway? And in what way do you think it's most important for supervisors to think about meeting their student employees halfway? So I don't know who wants to start. Crystal, do you, would you be willing to chat with us? Great. Sure. I think there's so many ways that you can think about this. One of the, the ways that we really try to be intentional about meeting our student employees halfway is thinking about the flexibility with scheduling. You touched on this earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Scheduling can really be a nightmare, if you will, um, just with uh, classes and, and personal lives and just things that come up uh, really last minute. Uh, for example, we've got a requirement of 10 hours a week that we, we ask our student employees to work. And you know, exams come up really busy times where we'll have students come in and say, you know, this just feels like too much. And it might be where you know, a couple weeks, um, someone feels like they can't work that 10 hours a week. And so we try to really um, not be super rigid with, uh, okay, every week of the semester you have to work that 10 hours a week. And so we might say, okay, how does it feel if over the next couple weeks we kind of pare back a little bit? So we don't say, okay, you can't work here anymore because you're not working that 10 hours a week, right? Um, and so we try to work with, with folks to make sure that they're feeling comfortable with the workload that they have uh, with school and their personal lives, their health, everything that's going on. And so we can kill, still keep them on as employees. Um, and we also have the option of what we what we call being on call. So maybe someone's got an internship this semester or um, they just they want to be able to have the option of maybe helping us out towards the end of the semester. We have finals um, mm -hmm. where we proctor exams, right? So we're really, really busy towards the end of the semester. So we want to keep them on as employees, but they don't feel like they can do that 10 hours through the whole semester. They want to pick up um, shifts throughout the semester. So we really try to, to hold that with an open hand, folks that we want to keep around. but they don't think they can do that full 10. 
So um, we really feel like uh, meeting them halfway is really trying to be flexible with that scheduling piece. Yeah, that, I think that theme's going to come up a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> kind of that flexibility right. halfway, right? Could you? That sounds great, and I don't know how realistic that is for all the supervisors listening, but I think that's food for thought. Like depending on how flexible you can be with your students and your schedule, and still get all the work done, it's a great. It sounds like it works for you. That you guys at the DRC. We have a a really large pool of student employees, so maybe that's mm -hmm. that's easier. Um, we also have a a large number of hours to fill too, mm -hmm. um, but maybe that is easier for us than other other departments. But that flexibility again mm -hmm. sounds like if you just if that, that's your starting point then you mm -hmm. can maybe find a way to be more helpful sure. meeting your students halfway. Mm -hmm. I am curious though, um, I'm curious about how you set up the culture of working with student employees that where you uh, make it safe for lack of a better word, make it safe for them to come and ask you for that flexibility rather than mm -hmm. them saying I just can't do it I need to quit or like how do you how do you navigate that with them? Yeah. We have really tried to create a culture in our office of just self-care, making sure that people mm -hmm. are, are doing what they need to do to, to be well. And so we're constantly having conversations in weekly meetings and one-on-ones about, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing for yourself this week? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we start in our training at the beginning of the fall semester, um, that question of how are you doing, right? Um, but how are you doing really like what does that mean and um when someone asks you how do you respond and what does that really mean and so uh, we've really tried to create that culture of um answer answer honestly and um it's okay to say you're not okay um and so we we want to know that you're not okay and how can we help you figure that out, right? And so if that means maybe cutting back your hours um, to to help you be more okay, um, to help balance things. And so we're constantly saying, come on by, let us know if you need anything. Um, we have weekly meetings where everyone's checking in, kind of sharing their highs and lows. And so it helps us as the students. Mm -hmm, weekly meetings for students. And um, we are having check-ins a couple of times a semester uh, where we are I think helps keep us, uh, our finger on the pulse, knowing how students are doing. So we know to be more intentional in checking in with folks. And so we've really tried to create that culture where people can say, I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much that's happening, but that's something that we've really tried to create. So the value that your office holds. Mm -hmm. One thing that you're reminding me of is that idea that we saw earlier in the slides about fear of failure, because mm -hmm. it sounds like it's not just it's not just within the work you're doing or how productive, quote unquote, how productive you're being, but also just how you're doing, balancing all of the demands of your life as a student. So those check-ins sound really like you're you're making it okay for students to say, "I'm good, I'm not great, and I could use a little bit more of flexibility, or I could use I need to talk to somebody, or you know that would really help." So that's a great reminder of what that can look like too. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So what else does it look like to meet students halfway? Uh, Will, do you have have like some ideas? Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, I think of initially um, is um, I think just so going back to communication is key, but maybe filling that out a little bit more. Um, when uh, so we I run or our program runs a peer mentoring program of about forty two staff. Um, and each of those students has a caseload of 30 students. 
And so we communicate that there are actually high expectations for the position, but that they've been hired for a reason and we're confident that they're going to meet those high expectations and that um, we're here to support them learning in the role um, and that clarifying some of that stuff at the beginning us meeting and giving both like positive but also constructive feedback like that's a normal part of the process um, so i think that's like one of the ways in which we try to meet halfway is like this job is actually a learning and a development opportunity for you yeah. letting them know that so you're we, that i was just thinking when you said that about um setting up those feedback con or giving them feedback mm -hmm. Does it ever happen with you where students are kind of like afraid of those conversations or, <laughs> not, for lack of a better word, but I'm thinking it might be the first time they've had that kind of, you know, official feedback from someone that their employer. I, and the reason I was laughing a little bit is because I run into that all the time. Okay. Um, so, you know, one of, we part of some of those, especially those first um, conversations is like just normalizing the conversation and mm -hmm. letting folks know like this is not like you're not getting fired right now like <laughs> this is like learning is a part of the this is a part of the job um, and like part of my role as a manager um, is to support you um, in like um, getting better at the work and getting better at the job and clarifying expectations um, and I think too because um, students here at the university are so high achieving mm -hmm. um, I think just recognizing uh, that they they can have that fear of failure is sometimes that some some of that imposter syndrome is sort of a core aspect and maybe calling that out sometimes. Yeah. So if you had if you wanted to leave, I think that's such an important point, and I hope that our supervisors that are listening today are able to kind of see themselves in that statement. Mm -hmm. Like what what is it you think about when you are quote unquote meeting students halfway through that kind of communication? What is it you're thinking about? And I guess it's support and not you're not making assumptions, right? You're not making assumptions that students will know how to handle feedback or how to ask for time off or whatever that is. Yeah, so I think that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think some of it can be that meta conversation of here's how this meeting is gonna go. Um, I've had staff tell me like when they come in for a meeting and I'm like can you come in? I need to give you just a little bit of feedback about something it feels like, because these are 18, 19, 20-year-old students yeah. generally that I'm working with. Yeah. Um, it feels like being called to the principal's office, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not what's <laughs> happening right now. So um, I think it's just like letting folks know some of those pieces. Yeah. Great food for thought, right? Yeah. Again, not making assumptions <laughs> yes. that, it's, that they're on the same page as you. Yes, yes. So Nicole, what comes to mind, and I know your situation is yeah. a little different, but what comes to mind when you think about what supervisors can think about in terms of meeting their students halfway. Well, to touch on um, some things that both Crystal and Will brought up that I bet, based on what I'm hearing about, your offices are already probably built in. Um, you can start a lot of this by reinforcing it in your onboarding process. Yeah. So looking at how you're training students in, note that just say during that process that it's okay to make a mistake that you know, acknowledge times that you've also made mistakes and what you've learned for it. So just kind of demonstrating that this is just part of the process of working in a professional environment, um, making it okay to, to be flexible, to, to ask for help. I know um, in interviewing students, we just hired two students in our office. I made it very clear in the interview process that it's like, yes, we're going to expect these amount of hours, but 
you know, we understand that you're a student here. We know we want you to succeed in that as well. So, you know, during midterms, if, if you have a project that's coming up, if something's becoming really stressful, make sure that it's clear, even in those interviews, mm-hmm. that you're going to be flexible as an employer and that you want them to succeed overall. Um, I would also back up even into the recruiting process mm-hmm. in terms of meeting students halfway. So not even just but how you post your job, what you're including in the job posting, but also where you're posting a job. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that they're going to know where to look. <laughs> so you can post on our University of Minnesota website. You can use Gold Pass. I know a lot of students are really looking there already as they're thinking about career development. That's where a lot of internships and external opportunities are posted. And many of our departments are posting on there as well. It's also, I will say, a system that's a little more geared towards uh, the technological expectations that students have for apps these days. So it's going to be a little more friendly to what they're used to visually as well. Um, make sure it's brief. Don't go on for four pages of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Just really get to the concise, like, here's what you're going to learn here. Here's the skills mm-hmm. that you're going to develop. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what we'll need from you. Um, and I'd say also maybe even reach out if you're targeting specific skills. Don't be afraid to reach out to student groups um, and mm-hmm. find students there who might have specific interests in some of the work that you'll be doing so that it really is you are finding a student who can engage personally in the work that you're doing. But don't also assume that it's only going to be students in your particular field or expertise um, that are going to be interested in your job. One of my students is an HR major, and that's great. It's very related to the work that we're doing. But I also have a student who's in interior design. But talking with her in this last week, uh, we were to, she got to kind of sit in and see how sort of jobs and resumes were screened here. And I know that she learned a lot about how she might format her future resumes and cover letters just from sitting in on those conversations. So I think that there's value that it can bring to the students regardless of what kind of field it is and regardless if it's related to their particular work. But those conversations that you're having on a weekly basis can help bring that stuff out in conversation. So I hear I hear you saying don't make assumptions in, in any part of the process, mm-hmm. whether it's from the recruiting to the job posting to the interview to the onboarding to the on-the-job learning. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Don't make assumptions. Okay. Absolutely. So that sounds like a good takeaway there. Um, one thing, could you say the name of the site that you mentioned? Oh, yes. So there's I mean, obviously our University of Minnesota site, but also Gold Pass, which is used primarily by your career services. Um, I highly recommend in general maybe reaching out to your college or department's career services people in general. They are very knowledgeable with how students are like to be communicated with and what they're looking for. So Gold Pass, I know, is what we use for all external opportunities, but then also a lot of University of Minnesota departments are posting on there as well. Okay, thanks. That might be new for some people in our audience, so that's great. Thanks, you guys. I do have um, another question for you, and it's somewhat similar, but I think a little bit, a little bit more specific. Um, we've heard a lot about how important it is for supervisors to support their student employees, and I think you've touched on a lot of these themes already. But I was wondering, what does this look like in your experience? And um, you know, what comes to mind for kind of like what supervisors should think about when they're you know quote unquote supporting their student employees? Does anything come to mind with that question? How do you support, or what does this when you say you know that you are supportive of your student employees? What does that look like? I think one of the things or a couple of things that come to mind for me initially is if there's any um, training that you can like, and this differs like based on where you are located at the university, 
But you know, some of, some folks here at the university have like a lot of training in counseling or social work or just listening skills mm-hmm. and helping profession type stuff. Mm-hmm. And some people don't, and that's absolutely okay. But if you can engage with any training on like active listening skills, interpersonal communication, coaching mm-hmm. skills, even the feedback and coaching webinar, like that's provided through mm-hmm. um, leadership and talent development here, um, engage with that as often as you can because that's really going to help you. Um, in your one-on-one check-ins or one-on-one interactions with students like to provide that support directly and on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I think of. Um, But I think uh, in terms of like support um, broadly um, is just knowing, we've talked a little bit about this, but knowing that um, we're not the only point of support. We're a piece of the puzzle. We're a part of it. And I, I would argue a very important part. I know for me as an undergrad, um, the people who I cared about and who cared about me most when I was in in university or in college um, were my supervisors, um, who I consider mentors to this day. Um, and so I think, um, but also not making yourself the sole support, expanding that network, um, and making sure that students know like they have a lot of resources here. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And Nicole and Chris, I'd like to hear from you the previous question too in just a minute. But that brings me to our next slide, which, um, and so those of you that are listening in the audience, at this point I have a question too that's related to what Will just said. Um, what campus resources do you want supervisors of students to be aware of? So this is along, along, alongside that theme of, you know, yes, you are a resource, your department is a resource, but what are other resources that you think supervisors of students need to be aware of to, in order to support students? So if you will follow, and you can do this now, if you would follow the Z link on the screen, z.umn.edu/sdcstudentresources, and let us know what campus resources you think supervisors of students need to be aware of. When we send out the webinar recording next week, we'll also compile a list of resources that you all have recommended, and you'll have access to that list. So while you're thinking of your ideas and entering those into our form, I'd like to continue to hear from our panelists about what resources they rely on to support their students when it seems that their student employees need more support. So, Crystal, do you want to? Yeah, um, I think mental health resources are is definitely um, a huge resource that we point our students to, and just really being aware of kind of where students are at and and what their needs are. So, if you're recognizing a pattern of, you know, so and so is called in now three days in a row, and I mm-hmm. I know that they really struggle with mental health, or you know. I wonder if they're feeling safe. Um, just maybe asking that question: Are you okay? Do you feel safe? Do you need anything? Um, you know, do you do you need someone to walk with you? Do you need someone to? You know, just really um, maybe asking those pointed questions, or have you met with your therapist? Have, you know, if you know some of those things about them, if a lot of students will share. I mean, at least they do with us about you know their their appointments and and what they're up to, and just really checking in with them. And making sure that they're going to those appointments and mm-hmm. making sure that they're, or if you know that they're not doing well, you know, walking them to Boynton, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, making sure that they're, they're, they're okay. Um, the food, the food pantry, uh, mm-hmm. the food shelf, um, mm-hmm. making sure that they have their, the everyday necessities. Um, I think some of those things are overlooked. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've, uh, you didn't mention this directly, but kind of knowing about that mental health support, the mm-hmm. mentalhealth.umn.edu mm-hmm. site would be a starting place. 
You mentioned the Nutritious You Food Pantry, which can be found through GopherLink. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a great resource that a lot of people don't know about. Mm -hmm. As we know, students may or may not talk about you know, what it's like when they go home, you know, what, it's, what it's like for them. Um, are there other resources? Are there other resources that you think supervisors of students should be aware of? Um, I also uh, want to plug the Disability Resource Center mm -hmm. and just make sure that if students are um, struggling with any uh, disability-related um, impacts that they are going to the DRC and getting registered. So um, we are always um, open and a resource there. And you'll see that link uh, in a short description on your action sheet as well. Thank you. Yeah, Nicole or Will, do any resources come to mind? Uh, that you would want supervisors of students to be aware of? Yeah, I tie into the food pantry if uh, the students are already looking at that website. If your student's on work-study, they may actually also qualify for the Minnesota SNAP program. So it's worth sending them to that website as well. Um, Minnesota if, SNAP program? Yeah, well, the, if you go to the Nutritious You Food Pantry website, there is at the very bottom of that page resources around the SNAP program. Um, and that is just another way to help with any food insecurity issues that they might Great. Thank you. So hopefully those of you that are listening are also entering your ideas into the forum because I think there are there's no shortage of, a, of lists of resources available for students, but what we're really looking for today is as supervisors of students, what are those resources that come to mind for you that are most important to kind of have on your radar? Whether it's just saying, hey, have you heard of the DRC or did you know there's a food pantry? We're not saying that you, that you know necessarily what the solution would be to your students' challenges, but we're just you know putting those resources out there for them then to act on if they need to. And I, I would plug just two more really quick. Um, one is you know since our student staff are students first, um, there are a lot of specialized academic support resources on campus, and there's a website that actually sort of pulls all those together. Um, and it's success.umn.edu, and so that's a really good site. I would also plug uh, student legal services or university yeah. student legal services. Um, I think a lot of students don't know that they have access to these um, to law lawyers um, to help them from anything to rental agreements um, off campus to um, other issues that might arise, and that's paid for by their student fees. I would guarantee that most students don't know that. <laughs> Thank you for plugging that. Great. Thanks. Let's move on to our next question. We've got about 10 minutes left here. Um, so the next question is, and this is just kind of a, what pops to your mind? What pops into your mind? What's the most important thing that you think supervisors of students should remember when it comes to you know what good super supervision looks like? And it could be anything. I think boundaries are really important. Um, I think coming back to that piece of we are a piece of the puzzle um, and we don't have to carry it all. Um, I think that's something I've had to learn over the years that um, I think the work is never done, right? And so um, just recognizing that there, you are a piece that you know you need to clock out at some point of the day and um, you have to trust that there are other people in in their lives that are gonna help take care of them, right? And I think you are a supervisor because you care and um, you can't do it all. And you just have to be okay with not being able to do it all. 
and otherwise you're gonna get burnt out and it's not gonna be good. <laughs> Those are wise words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think too, you're bringing up a really good point too, is that all supervisors deserve to be able to clock out at the end of the day, to have boundaries, but what we find with supervising students is it's just a little bit harder because the students are looking to you as a mentor or as a you know a primary resource, and so you might feel like, oh, I should, you know, I should be doing more. But that's one of the reasons why we focused on those resources today in the previous slide because we do think it's important to that as a reminder, and that's just so that you don't get burnt out, or so that you do kind of realize that there are lots of things in place that can that can support them, just as you want to support them too. Nicole or Will? I think, uh, I think a foundation, and I'll be brief with this, but I think a foundation of even that part is recognizing that um, students, aka people, um, right, are naturally creative, resourceful, <laughs> and whole. So, and I think that's one of the ways that you're able to establish those healthy boundaries is knowing that, like, these folks are just like all folks, like they have, they're survived and they're here and they're resilient. Um, mm -hmm. And just again, just coming back to that core belief that all people are naturally creative, resourceful and whole is mm -hmm. really key for me, I think. Great, thank you. Yeah, And I'm just sort of on, on both of those, I think, and then we've made it a huge part of this is communication again is key. Mm -hmm. So communicating those boundaries, communicating those expectations, and then also those, the, the fact that you also expect them to be human and creative yeah. and, and that knowing that creating that transparent environment so that they understand that feedback can go both ways I think is really going to help support the both of you in the long run. Yeah, I would agree. That sounds like a good, a good foundation for any kind of supervision, but especially mm -hmm. supervising students, you know, setting that foundation of clear feedback and everything that goes along with that. So what is your favorite, this is our last, my last question, what's your favorite part of working with student employees? And those of you in the audience, I would ask you to reflect on this too. What is it that you like about working with student employees? Any thoughts? Seeing work through their eyes again when it was so young and new and <laughs> very like, sometimes saying like, oh, I love how excited you are about this again. And like, I haven't looked at it with fresh eyes for a long time. So it's kind of fun to see um, things from that perspective again. Good. I would call that enthusiasm too, which we touched on. I saw that in the chat earlier too. It's great, isn't it? to have someone enthusiastic in the office with a fresh perspective on how things are going. I just love this time in life. Uh, they're figuring out who they are and, you know, where they want to be. And I just love being a part of their life during this time. Okay. I feel like it's just such an honor um, that I get to be on the journey with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think similarly, yeah, just witnessing the learning, the growth, the successes, um, the execution of resilience. Uh, a lot of that comes from uh, like painful places, um, and a lot of com that comes from joyful places for students. But um, I think just witnessing it is really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for your insights. I'm sure you, I hopefully, provoked a lot of thoughts and questions in the minds of our audience. So, audience, thank you so much for your attention up to this point. Um, we are running out of time, so we won't have time to address your questions today. Hopefully, though, those questions you did have. You found some responses, maybe through the panel, or maybe through the webinar slides, or any of the other content that maybe um, has, has put some uh, possible answers in your mind. You can also email us anytime, and our email will be up here in just a few slides. So before we wrap up, we just have a few minutes, we want to point you towards the Quick Guide to Supervising Undergraduate Students, which outlines the key points from the webinar and connects to relevant resources. 
So you can access this quick guide by going to z.umn.edu slash undergradsqg. It, it's also listed under the resources section of your action sheet. So again, that's a quick guide specifically um, talking about a lot of what we talked about today and going into a little bit more depth. So again, thank you so much and thank you to our panelists today for joining us um, and sharing your thoughts. We hope you find this information useful and relevant to your supervisory experience and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course Podcast. Please explore resources mentioned in the podcast by going to supervising.umn.edu. The Supervisory Development Course Podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions regarding supervisory development, please email us at ltd.umn.edu. At